Well, good morning. Everybody have a great Thanksgiving. Do you think of a couple things you're thankful for this year? Very good. Very cool. We had a we had a great Thanksgiving. We didn't have the cops called on us for our karaoke. You guys are like, praise God. You know, you know you've been around the church if if you've heard of the pastor getting the cops called on him for karaoke. If you haven't, uh, stick around. It'll happen again. <laughs> well, welcome so much. Thank you so much for, for coming and being a part of this, being a part of this gathering together and getting together and worshiping God. You know, um, it's just always an amazing opportunity, and I have high expectations that the Lord just wants to do something amazing in our service today, bring some miracles and um, just maybe some clarification, give some encouragement to us. Today, I want to talk to you guys about the seasons in between in life, which I would like to call deserts. Have you ever been through a desert before? Maybe you're in a desert this morning. Maybe you've uh, walked through a desert in the past. Maybe you know somebody that's currently in the desert. The season, the season of uh, just where you're pressing in and nothing else is happening, like nothing's happening around where you're working really hard and you're really not seeing a whole lot of the outcome of what you're working hard at. Maybe you've been a desert in your job where you really feel like this is the job that I was supposed to take and, and then it's just a season of just working and working and not really seeing a whole lot of results. Or maybe you've been in a desert in relationships where you really thought this was the relationship, this is what God had called you into and it's just a season of just pressing in, not really seeing any growth. Maybe it has some heartache through that. These seasons of deserts in our life, like we all walk through them. Um, have you ever noticed how life is not all mountaintops, but there's actually mountaintops and valleys? And then there's just kind of, I want to talk about that kind of, that plateau that a lot of times life is. That's the desert is what I'd like to talk about today. I'd love to look at Paul and Barnabas in the Bible as we've been reading through the book of Acts. And I'd like to look at Paul and Barnabas from a lens of real people. You know, sometimes when we read the Bible, we think of them as fictional characters. It's kind of hard. You hear about their, their life and the, the things that they're walking through, and you're like, wow, that's really cool. You know, Frodo had to carry the ring. And it's, it's really hard not to look at Paul and Barnabas as like Captain America and Iron Man walking through life, and it's just kind of this thing that you read. But Paul and Barnabas were real people. Like, they walked through a lot in life. They had a lot of seasons of miracles, but they also had a lot of seasons of deserts. Paul and Barnabas walked through so many things that, that actually they stepped into. They, they, were, they felt like they were following God in a plan that God had for their life, and it wasn't just mountaintops the entire time, was it? The Bible is just full of stories of people who are trusting the Lord with their heart and with their life in this mountaintops and this valleys, and then it's a lot of deserts. And so that's the lens I'd love to look at Paul and Barnabas from today, and I'd love to look at this passage that we're going to be reading from more of a storybook of Paul and Barnabas. Just kind of look at the, the book of Acts and when Paul hits the scene and look at his life as this is kind of his story and see what God invited him in on and see how he gets through deserts, how he makes it through the desert. And so we're going to be looking at Acts 13, 2, where we're picking it up with Paul and Barnabas. 
I'm going to go ahead, if you want to turn there, I'm going to go ahead and pray, and then uh, we're going to jump right into God's word. Acts 13, 2. God, we thank you so much for today, the plans that you have for us this morning, the amazing plans of uh, um, insight and vision and dreams and encouragement. Lord, that this is what you do with your people is uh, when we draw close to you, you encourage us, you speak to our hearts, and then you speak words that only you can speak, not, not necessarily from a microphone, but from your Holy Spirit. You speak directly to our hearts. And so, Lord, we just invite you right now in that process of just saying, God, we want to hear from you. We want to hear from you. We want to just invite you into this time. We set aside this time just press in to what it is that you want to say, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Just speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Acts 13, 2, this is Paul and Barnabas. It says, while they were worshiping the Lord, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul, which is also Paul, for the work which I have called them to. So Paul and Barnabas are set aside worshiping God during the church of Antioch. Everything was going really well, and God put on the leadership of the church's heart to set aside these two people because we're going to send them out because the gospel has to be continuously preached to the Gentiles. And the best way to do that is to go to the next city. And so this is what Paul and Barnabas are sent out to do. I want to say that Paul and Barnabas didn't sign up for this. They actually like put, it was put on the leadership of the church's heart to send these people out. So it wasn't like they were disgruntled with the church and the direction of the church and decided we're going to go out and do it on our own. We're going to figure these things out and make it better. You know, there was none of that. It was literally the church leadership said, set apart for me, Paul and Barnabas, and we're going to send them out. We're going to send them over to the next city. And so they're sent out. Where are they sent out to? You might guess it. Where? The desert. They're sent out to the desert. Iconium is 90 miles away. They didn't jump in a Tesla. They don't have private planes. Okay? I don't know if Teslas can make it 90 miles, right? Yeah, good. Okay, so they were just sent out into the desert. The, the church leadership says, these are the people that we want to send out, and God has something on your heart, and he's going to do something in this next city over. And so Paul and Barnabas say, okay, Jesus, do whatever you want with my life, and send them out into the desert, a 90-mile hike with maybe a donkey. Has anybody ever ran a marathon here? Okay, now time's up by four, and then you have what Paul and Barnabas are sent out to do. Right? It's a long trip in the desert for something you didn't even sign up for. Think about that for a second. We look at it from, from Paul and Barnabas's eyes. I don't know. I'd make it about 40 miles and say, I didn't even sign up for this. I'm turning back around. It was so great in Antioch. But Paul and Barnabas are sent out, and they're sent out into the desert to go. They head to the next town over, and what happens in the next town over is they see miracles. Chapter uh, 14, verses 8 and 10. They, um, 
get to the next town over in Lystra. It says, in Lystra there sat a man who was lame, and he had been that way since birth, and he had never walked. And he listened to Paul speaking. Paul looked directly at him, and he had faith to be healed. And he called out, stand up on your feet. And at that, the man jumped and began to walk. And so they come to the, the city of Iconium, they experience miracles there, and then they come to the next city over from Iconium, and they go to Lystra, and they experience miracles there. The crowd loves them. In, in both cities, the crowd loves them, and then churns and hates them. So they get to the city, the crowd really loves them, God's using them for miracles, everybody's in support of that, and then some other people would kind of raise an awareness of these people are preaching about Jesus Christ, and it's not the religion that you guys know of, and so what would happen is people would actually get upset, and then they would actually try to stone them. And so they make it to Iconium, they experience miracles, and then they make it to Lystra, and they experience miracles. But the thing is, from Iconium, from, so Antioch to Iconium to Lystra. So from Iconium to Lystra is a 20-mile walk. And in between those 20 miles, what you actually have is in Iconium, they were loved, and then they got hated. And the crowd wanted to stone them. And so they heard about the crowd wanting to stone them. And so they went back to where? Where did they go back to? They went to the desert. They went to the desert and then went to the next city over. So in every single story of Paul and Barnabas' life, they get to a city, people love them, and then they hate them, and then they're sent back out into the desert. I can't help but think about this story in our life. Because we have mountaintops and we have valleys and we have a lot of seasons where we're just doing something we feel like God's called us to do, but we're really not seeing a whole lot of results from that. Each time that Paul and Barnabas left cities, they went through deserts. I've been there. Have you guys ever been in the desert? I already asked that, right? I've been there. In 2003, my family and I uh, moved down to Charlotte, North Carolina. And it was an amazing opportunity that I really felt like the Lord had called me to be in Charlotte. He actually, like during the time of worship, I heard, it's time to go. And I heard it like this, it's time to go. <laughs> Maybe Jesus just knew I was hungry, but I took that as it's time to leave. It's time to leave the Quad Cities because that was my desire in 2003. <laughs> Anywhere but here, Lord. It's time to go. Cool. Okay, Charlotte, here we come. And so we moved down to Charlotte. I really felt like the Lord had spoken that over me, that we're, we're supposed to move. And I dragged my wife along, and she went. She wasn't happy. And so 2003, December 24th, 2003, we're loading up a U-Haul van with all of our stuff to move back to the Quad Cities after a year in Charlotte that just didn't go anything like I thought it was going to. And we jump in the U-Haul, and um, during this time, uh, our big plan of coming back to the Quad Cities was to move into my parents' house with two kids. Great plans ahead. 
next city over, God. Yeah, let's go. Let's go get them. And uh, get to move back to the Quad Cities and live in my parents' attic with a newborn son and a three-year-old daughter. And my mom going, have you gotten a job yet? (laughs) I mean, every day. Big plans, high expectations for coming back to the Quad Cities. And so I finally did get a job and got to uh, get a job that made money. Have you ever had a job where, you had, where you're making money? Not a career, but just a job where I just got to make some money to move out of my parents' house because this is not good. And that job was driving a truck for Adele Wholesale, which is delivering plumbing supplies to plumbers. And, uh, and I actually worked at Ferguson Enterprise, which was also delivering plumbing supplies to plumbers. And I did that for six years, six years of just feeling like a desert. Um, My mind was always on what's next, the next city over. Oh, God. And I remember as broken as I was and as um, frustrated with the decision of moving to Charlotte and then coming back to the Quad Cities a year later with nothing, I was dreaming of like all these things coming back to the Quad Cities. Even though I didn't have a job, I was dreaming of like what God could do. And it felt like my dreams were just so far away, like way out there. Like, Neil, don't share those with anyone because right now nobody trusts you. But I could dream. And so driving back, we get back to Quad Cities. I'm working at the plumbing supply company, driving in that truck. And it was the most healing I've ever received. I'd jump in that truck and I'd turn on worship music. And God would just speak to my heart. Just have these amazing moments with the Lord. And I just received so much healing in that. And it was just a six years of just God teaching me that you gotta press in to where you're at, Neil, because I have plans for you in the future. But right now, you got to be present in this moment. Because I always wanted to dream about what could be next, but the Lord had plans right then and there. And so I always knew, like, the Lord had put on my heart to pastor people. And so God just started showing me, well, then pastor the people at Adele Wholesaler. Pastor the people at Ferguson. Pastor those plumbers. How many of you know plumbers need pastored? (laughs) So we're carrying up cast iron tubs up three flights of stairs and... You know, just they have an opportunity to connect with people and to pastor them and love them and pray for them. But I remember there was this moment as as I was working at Ferguson, I was in a 30-foot truck, and I just got so frustrated with the desert. It's like, God, you, you brought me back to the Quad Cities. There's no intention of staying here, and yet here I am seven years later, and here I am driving this truck like, This isn't at all what I thought my life was going to end up like. And I just got so frustrated with the Lord. And I finally just took my hands and my fists, and I just hit the steering wheel like that. And I'm like, what do you got me doing here? Right? Have you ever been there before? The problem was, is when I hit the steering wheel, that broke the steering wheel column. (laughs) I'm so angry. It's like the Hulk, man. It turned green, steering wheel column. So it broke the steering wheel column, and 
what that did was it ignited the horn. <laughs> so I'm in the truck for 15 minutes. And everybody's looking at me like I'm trying to pull over. It's this air horn just blasting people on 53rd Avenue. Everyone's just like trying to figure out what is going on. I knew what was going on, but I'm holding up my, oh, jeez, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's out of my frustration. So I had to take apart the steering wheel, and I, I propped some, I don't know if I'll tell this second service, but I, I took some pencil shavings and propped them under the horn so the next person, like, <laughs> trying to push on it, it don't work. Anyways, I broke the horn. It was just a long season. What am I doing here? Why do you have me here? I thought there was so much more. I thought you were gonna do more. I thought I was made for more. And God taught me so much in that season that I just, I can't help but relate with Paul and Barnabas. They're going from town to town and literally getting death threats. In Lystra, they have this moment where they're actually, they stone Paul. They stone him and take him outside into the desert and leave him for dead. They thought he was dead. And sometimes the desert is just long where you just feel like you're getting beat up a lot. That's how I felt. But there's two things that I want to share with you guys that, that really help with walking through seasons of a desert. And the first one is this, is in a desert, you gotta find food in Jesus. You gotta find food and water in Jesus Christ. See, what he's doing in those seasons is he's drawing you near. He's, he's becoming your everything. A lot of times we live life with a mirage of comfort and, and like what could be over there. But what happens in the desert, you get desperate to know Jesus more. Because nothing else satisfies the words that people say, the crowds chanting your name. It just becomes like, it just goes right over your head because you're really walking through something. And so you find food in Jesus Christ and you find water in him. He says that he is the, breath of, or the, the bread of life. And the Holy Spirit gives water to our thirsty souls. So we need that. We, I think of the Israelites as they're walking through the desert. Jesus, or God gives them manna from heaven, right? And actually gives them food every single day and then gives them water from a rock. And so a lot of times when we're in a desert in life, we gotta come back to Jesus, I just need you in this moment right here, right now, and take every single day as an opportunity to connect more and more with Jesus and to hear his voice. I learned to distinguish my ambitions over God's ambitions in the seat of that truck. I had a lot of ambitions that like glorified me and Jesus is like, well, where am I at in the picture, Neil? <laughs> oh, you're there. But I learned that like 
God's ambitions for my life look a lot different than mine sometimes, and that's okay. And I gotta trust him in that. So finding, finding food and water in Jesus Christ is, is the number one tool of getting through deserts. And the last one is this, is I wanna leave you with this, is the last one to get through a desert is you gotta keep walking. You gotta keep walking. I, I found it so cool that Paul is a tent maker. How many of you know that? That Paul made tents. He didn't build houses. There's a difference. Paul was a tent maker, and that's what got him through in ministry. A lot of people go, well, Paul is a tent maker. It's really cool. Paul didn't build houses. In the desert, you don't want to build a house. You don't want to take out some sand and start putting concrete and being like, oh, you know what? The city hurts too much, and that, what God has for me ahead, is too much for me, so I'm going to build a house right here. That was probably the hardest struggle of those six to seven years of driving a truck is I just wanted to build a house right there. Well, I guess I can't hear from God. I guess I don't know anything. I guess I don't even know Jesus' voice. Like, I just wanted to build a house in what I, what I felt like was frustration. This is where my house sits. You gotta keep walking. You gotta get up each morning and go, God, what is it that you have for me? Okay, this may seem like such a long season, such a long desert, but God, I know you have something ahead. And so putting one foot in front of the other, I know what's ahead, Lord. Teach me. I love that in uh, its verse, Paul's, Paul's left for dead outside. He's in the city of Lystra, and they stone him and throw him outside. But in verse 20, it says, but after the disciples had gathered around him, he got back up and went into the city. <laughs> that blows my mind. You're walking through these hard times. God's using you in miracles. People are stoning you. He gets back up, and then he goes where? Out into the desert to build a house because people hurt too much, don't they? Right? No, he gets back up and he goes where? Back into the city, the same city that stoned him. And that's what it's like with the, with the relationship with Jesus is, God, what are you inviting me in on? Man, it doesn't really make sense. You, you told me to start this business. You told me to work at this job. You told me to start these relationships. And sometimes they hurt. But Paul gets stoned. He gets back up and he goes back into the city. And so maybe today you've decided, you know what, I'm just going to build my house out in the desert for a while. I hope this is a word of encouragement for you to take down that house, maybe make it a tent and start walking this morning. Start walking towards what God has for you. His plans for you have not ran out. You haven't, you haven't overthrown the amazing love and grace of Jesus Christ. You can't do it. And so God wants to repurpose, he wants to re-envision, he wants to restart your heart because he has plans for your future. And so get up and walk back in. Get up and start walking. And then when, when you're walking, when you're trusting God in that, find Jesus as your everything. 
who cares what the crowd says? What does he say? Making our decisions on, God, what is it that you have for my life? What do you want to do in me? I'm trusting you, Jesus. Amen? Amen. All right. I just want to end with this. Could you imagine a community of people that are okay with others walking through deserts? Could you imagine a community of people that are here to encourage one another as they walk through deserts? Could you imagine being okay with not being like okay in this moment? I just want you to know that's this church, guys. It's all right. We don't have to put on this fake face. Oh, I got everything figured out. It's just not the case a lot of times. A lot of us are just walking through things. And so I just want to be an encouragement to you that, man, there are people here that love you so much that as you walk through stuff, like get involved in a community group, continuously come to church and just be okay. Just grab some coffee and just maybe meet a new face and encourage one another. This is what we're building. This is what God's doing here. We all walk through different seasons of life. And so when I'm on a mountaintop, I can encourage somebody in the valley. And then when I'm in the valley, I love it when somebody is on the mountaintop that can encourage me. We balance each other out. You gotta have community, don't you? So hard to try to walk through the desert alone. So I'm so excited that you're here this morning. So excited you're here. Good job. Give yourself a round of applause. Just like to pray. If there's anyone here, um, I'd love for us to do, actually, can we just stand up real quick? If there's anyone here, just to, for clarification and exactly what I just said, what I'd love for us to do, if, that's, if this message is like, man, I have just been walking through a desert, and this, like, this really hits home with me today, I would just love for you to be bold, because what I'd love for you to do is this, is I'd love for you to raise your hand, and then I'd love for us to gather around one another. Just put a hand on the shoulder, if you're okay with that. You're all equipped to pray here, and so I'd just love to just pray for one another today as we, as we leave this place. So if that's you today, if you're saying, you know what, I have just been really walking through a desert, just go ahead and raise your hand right now. Okay, leave your hands up. Leave your hands up. And then if you're close to them, guys, would you get out of your seats, move around, and uh, just put a hand on the shoulder. Just pray a word of encouragement. Just encourage one another. Keep your hand up unless somebody's uh, praying for you. Got two people back there. Let's just pray. God, we thank you so much for the plans that you have for each one of us in this place. And so, Lord, we just speak encouragement right now, encouragement and, and, um, and boldness over each one of these hearts, Lord, is just walking through things that uh, just seem endless. And so, Lord, I just pray for um, strength to continue this walk 
to put one foot in front of another and to what you have next. And I, and I just also pray for anyone that's in this room that's just built houses in the desert and just said, you know, it just hurts too much to trust people, to trust you, Jesus. So I'm just gonna build a house here. Lord, would you just tear down those walls this morning? Just come and invade each person's heart. Thank you for community, Lord, that we can just love one another and be there for one another. So just bless each and every person as they tune into your voice this week. Lord, would you just speak loud and clear into each one of our ears this week, Lord, especially people that have um, maybe had their ears plugged with, with other things going on that have gotten distracted Lord, I just pray for, for ears, for clarity on direction and vision right now in Jesus' name. Lord, would you be our everything? We just surrender to you to be our everything, God. Where are you leading? What are you inviting us into? What are you doing in this season? Those words, Lord. Just speak those over us this entire week. Have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Good job, church.